when we break it down like this, it doesn't matter how long or short your cycle is, we can still adapt it to you. So this is where everything else I see online are these perfect like 28 day cycles, like your phase one is between days one to 16 and then you ovulate and then you get your period on day 28 or 30. But for so many of us, that's not the case. That definitely wasn't the case for me when I was training. And so it doesn't matter whether your cycle is 45 or 50 or 60 or 90 days long, you can still utilize this to do the best kind of training to help you either just perform the best or feel your best when you are mm-hmm. exercising or even just to make sense of why yeah. one week you might be able to like squat 40 kilos and then the yeah. next week you'll feel like you can't even lift the bar yeah there's reasoning behind why yeah. you're feeling like that hi i'm claire goodwin and this is the pcos nutritionist podcast i have pcos too and i know how hard it can be to get the help you need So I bring together my expertise as a registered nutritionist and exercise scientist, together with other experts I trust and people with real life lived experience of PCOS to help you get the information you need to make a real difference to your symptoms. I'm super excited to announce the release of our new PCOS management app, Ovi. As someone who has PCOS, I saw firsthand how much hyper-personalized tweaks to my lifestyle had a dramatic impact on solving my PCOS symptoms. And as a registered nutritionist and exercise scientist, I saw the same effect for many of my patients. But I also saw that only seeing me once a month or even every few weeks just didn't work for most people. Changing what we eat, how we move, and sometimes the very essence of who we are, like being a perfectionist, is really tricky. And in order to see real change, we need constant support and reinforcement. And we also need tools like recipes, workouts and cheat sheets right in our pocket. So when we're in the midst of standing in the supermarket aisle, we know what to choose to help support our changes. My PCOS Protocol group program was an amazing start in helping to achieve this, but I knew we could do way better. I knew that we could get even more personalized, convenient and provide an elevated user experience for you. So this is why I created Ovi to give you your personalized PCOS pathway that's based off your symptoms and your goals right in your pocket so that you can access it at any time. And not just created by me, but by an incredible team of nutritionists, psychologists, physiotherapists, exercise physiologists, and more. So head over to our website, ob.io, to take the questionnaire and find out what's driving your PCOS, or what I've formally referred to as your PCOS root cause. We can't wait for you to be part of the Ovi community. Hello. So this week I'm here with Annabelle and we're going to be talking about training with your cycle. So Annabelle's going to be asking me all the questions uh, that you've always wanted to know about training with your cycle and especially training with your cycle if you've got PCOS because I don't know about you, but so many things I see online are these perfect 28-day cycles and it's like, Mm -hmm. okay, you do this in week one and this in week two and this in week three and this in week four. And you're like, yeah, but my cycles are like eight weeks or 10 weeks or 12 weeks. So how do Mm. I adapt that if I've got PCOS? And the good news is that actually there is some real benefit in having PCOS and with your training. So we need to kind of like just really embrace that and utilize it. Yeah. So online, I see people talking about two phases of their cycle. And I see some people talking about four phases um, when it comes to training. And what does that mean? 
how are they like broken up mm. yeah so technically it's true that there are only two phases of your cycle so there is before you ovulate which is called your follicular phase and after you ovulate before you get your period which is called your luteal phase so but when we are talking about this for training it's actually really helpful to think about it in four or even five phases so we have Um, Because each of those, we're producing different amounts of hormones and therefore they can affect our training in different ways. Mm. So we don't, in in that whole phase before, from the time we start our period, from the time we start bleeding until when we ovulate, there is a huge difference in how much estrogen... Uh, we produce within that phase and then the same thing for the luteal phase again a huge difference between our estrogen and progesterone uh, in between the time when we ovulate to when we get our period and so that is what really affects our training and so that's why it's easier to think about it in like five phases I even think about it so the and we'll show you this diagram as well so have a look on Instagram and you can see this to make it help it make sense to you but when we break it down like this, it doesn't matter how long or short your cycle is, we can still adapt it to you. So this is where everything else I see online are these perfect like 28 day cycles, like your phase one is between days one to 16 and then you ovulate and then you get your period on day 28 or 30. But for so many of us, that's not the case. That definitely wasn't the case for me when I was training. And so it doesn't matter whether your cycle is 45 or 50 or 60 or 90 days long. You can still utilize this to do the best kind of training to help you either just perform the best or feel your best when you are Mm -hmm. exercising. Or even just to make sense of why one week you might be able to like squat 40 kilos and then the next week you'll feel like you can't even lift the bar yeah there's reasoning behind why yeah. you're feeling like that and you just won't feel like you're going crazy or that you're have suddenly like you're being lazy or you're unmotivated or yep. anything else like just it just stops all those mind games because then you're like oh I get it this is where mm-hmm. I am in my cycle again a little bit hard sometimes when you've got PCOS and you just don't know when your period's going to turn up but we can help you with that as well so why this is important is that as I said before you produce different amounts of hormones at different times in your cycle so phase one we think about this as the days that you're bleeding so this can be generally about days one to six for people if you're bleeding mm-hmm. more than that let's talk about it it's called something probably something called intermenstrual bleeding so we've got lots of other podcasts about that but if you're getting a period it should only really be about seven days long max Mm -hmm. so days one to seven that's when it's a period then the days between when you finish your period and when you ovulate this is called the mid follicular phase and this is what will be extended if you've got long periods in PCOS so in someone with a 28 or 30 day cycle this will be about days 7 to 14 of their cycle if you've got a 35 day cycle just add on another seven days to that um Mm. so that's an easy kind of calculation so it'll be about for you it'll be about two weeks long um this isn't a bad thing because this is actually when you are going to feel your best and perform your best as well so for a lot of people actually this is not a bad thing to have that longer mid follicular phase then um you ovulate and so this is this the ovulatory phase this is something that it doesn't always need to be thought about when you're when you're training with your cycle you can also just include this in the early luteal phase but for some people 
they feel really good and some people feel really crap during this Mm -hmm. phase and also there are some things to think about especially for athletes where you might be more at risk of injury around this time so that's where you might want to focus on this but for other people you can just think about this as that next week which is called your early luteal phase so that'll be about days 15 to 21 if you've got a 28 day cycle again if you're so this part is what does not really change if you've got a long if you've got a long cycle so it's the bit before that mid follicular phase. That's the one that gets extended. So these are all the same. So it'll be that next week after you ovulate for about a week. And then the late luteal phase is that week before your period. So in order to understand why training can be, you know, why you might feel different at different parts of your cycle. And this, I, I mean, we have talked about more about training, but I actually think that this can be really helpful to, for just everyday mm-hmm like how you feel at work how you feel you know in terms of like social socially motivated you are it it can really play a huge role in that so a lot of people it might not be as important to to change this for their training but it might just be really important to understand for general life and like why you might feel more motivated to be social at some parts of your Mm -hmm. cycle why you might be feeling more creative at work in some parts of your cycle why you might just feel really flat in other parts of your cycle and so you can again use it as a way of just just understanding yourself better and knowing why and not feeling like you're a failure or uh, you know that there is this no rhyme and reason for why you might feel so motivated one week and then so unmotivated the next week so in your cycle in that from the time that you start bleeding until when you ovulate that that phase is called your low hormone phase this is when your body is increasing estrogen but you have very low progesterone Right, so progesterone is the hormone that keeps our uterine lining intact or our nest intact for when, when a fertilized egg burrows in there and can, uh, when if you're pregnant, right? And so that's what progesterone's job is is for. And so you don't produce progesterone before you ovulate. So if you've ever had a blood test done on like, if you've ever had a blood test done on, and they've said, I'll oh, get it done on day three, and they've measured progesterone, and your progesterone's like 0.01. Nah. Uh, so this happens to quite a few people, and then they come to me, and they're like, I've got no progesterone. And I'm like, when did they take it in your cycle? Mm. And they're like, day three. I'm like, well, that is why. Because of course you don't have any progesterone. That's That progesterone is naturally like really low at that time, because it's got no job to do. Its job is to keep that lining, that uterine lining intact. So um, what's one of its jobs? So it's naturally going to be very low. And um, this, is the, this is the part, so you've only really producing estrogen in terms of when we're talking about estrogen and progesterone. We're not really too concerned about like testosterone or luteinizing hormone or follicle-stimulating hormone. Those are very important for other things, but in terms of what we're talking about here and training for your cycle, they're, as in, they're less important. So this is called your low um, low hormone phase and this is the phase where you are primed for performance it sounds I don't know to me it sounds counterintuitive I thought that if you had like more hormones actually the better Mm. but no the opposite is true that higher estrogen but low progesterone is when we're actually primed for performance is we're going to feel our most creative our most productive our most motivated but also when we're going to get our personal best when we're training as well so Mm. This is, and then once you've ovulated, what happens then is you go through a estrogen, your body increases progesterone, and also you get a second surge of estrogen. And this is why it's called your high hormone phase. So if you ever look, if you ever just Google 
the menstrual cycle. You'll see this. You'll see like progesterone is like really low in the first half and then you ovulate and then you'll get a second surge of estrogen and you also get increased progesterone. So you get this high hormone phase, but then it will just completely drop off. So you'll see a like quite a steep decline down in that last week. And this is also why we feel um, really low often in that in that last week of our cycle is because we're getting this steep drop off in hormones mm-hmm. as well. So it's kind of this surge and then a drop off. So in terms of when we are training with our cycle or doing anything with our cycle, if we're trying to just work with it to perform our best then we really want to be utilizing that early that first half of our cycle so this is quite weird because you have you ever thought that actually when you've got your period that's the time to take a break from training yeah yeah I mean that's kind of the start of it is when I would get like the pain so it it was kind of like oh I don't feel great so I'm probably I'm not gonna go and like lift some weights or like do something like that and I think it's just kind of a societal thing as well Mm. that like almost that people when they have their period they should be like resting and yeah and that actually the opposite's true Mm. so this is actually when you start your body starts priming for performance so we get that slow increase in estrogen there and um I but I do think that it is very personal because if you've got like significant discomfort pain Mm you know, then you're actually probably just not going to perform that well. Mm-hmm. Um, especially if you're training. I think it's different if you're having to perform, if it's like competition, then you just kind of like push through it. But I mean, one of the reasons that like, I remember as a young athlete, lots of us got put on hormonal birth control was so that we wouldn't get our period during mm. competition. Yeah. And and I just think that it is such a fundamental misunderstanding of the human or the female body that... you know getting your period was the worst thing whereas actually it was like that week before or two weeks before your period that where you wouldn't be performing um and and so many women in the world I know that there's lots there's a record of people where they've um won like their or done like a world record when they have their period Mm -hmm. so it just shows Mm -hmm. that it's not the time that you have to be taking a taking a rest so that's when you can I would just say though if you're if you're not feeling great, especially those first couple of days, it's totally fine to also continue to take a bit of a like a break. Yeah. But you don't have to. You absolutely, your body is primed, for getting primed for performance. So you can start building intensity or go for it mm-hmm. from that. Then after your period's finished, that mid-follicular phase, this is when you're going to perform your best. So from for people with long cycles that could actually be two or three weeks long so this is where it gets a little bit tricky because you do also for best performance you probably want to be taking a break every three or so three or four weeks taking a Mm -hmm. kind of a bit of an off week to give your body time to recover and actually adapt to that draining so I think that if your if your cycles are more than eight weeks you might want to do maybe two weeks pushing it in this mid-follicular phase and then take a week kind of recovery and then then you're going into your ovulatory phase which is when you're going to kind of maintain those gains so say Mm. you were I don't know you were a runner this would be when you want to do your like what's your training like at the moment Annabelle Mm. you're doing like um like intervals and 
kind of those shorter, faster runs. And, yeah, totally. Yeah. Like you might be doing your fast 5Ks on the weekend or something like mm-hmm. that. And this is where you really want to be trying to get your best times mm-hmm. um, or your 5 Again, your intervals, you want to be trying to really push that. Yeah. Then, so say you were like, okay, great, I improved my, you know, or I did eight two-minute intervals this week. We've kind of been building up. So the first week when I had my period, we would, I did like seven or six two minutes and then the next week we built up to seven two minutes and then eight two minute intervals Mm -hmm. and then once you've ovulated then you that next week that's kind of like more of a maintenance week so you might find that you can't quite do eight intervals but going back to like seven the week before that Uh mid follicular was a good idea and then the late luteal phase the week before your period that's when you're going to be focusing on recovery and techniques. So you might actually completely take a break that's from that deload week. Yeah. yeah, that deload week exactly. So it might be that you um, just do some slow runs. You mm-hmm. do a lot more mobility exercises or a bit of like um, sort of other technique as well. Mm-hmm. And that's where you can really utilize that. And then the following week when you've got your period, you can get back into doing your more um, intense training. Yeah. So that's the hardest thing for people with long cycles, if they if you are really an athlete and you're really training towards a goal, would be just kind of working back from your cycle to figure out how long you spend in that mid-follicular phase. Well, mm. you know, not how long you spend there, but how many weeks you spend... Um, really pushing it because I think probably ideally from a performance perspective you probably only really want to push it for a couple of weeks before you then take a a bit of a rest week or a mm. deload week there yeah so that would be the the trickiest part but knowing that you are really prime for performance there is great and you can kind of work with that but also know that if you're getting a long cycle then you're going to have to slightly rejig that and maybe give yourself a a, an extra little deload week there before then ovulation and then before your next deload week mm-hmm. and then of course the ideal is that you bring that you try and get your cycles a little bit closer to like a 30-day cycle because although I've said it's actually not bad that you have more time in that mid follicular phase the in actual fact, you're you're not going to get quite the same surge of estrogen. If your hormones are stopping your body from ovulating, then you're not going to be getting because that's really what's happening. Mm. If your cycles are are really long, is that your body is trying to ovulate. So in that mid follicular phase, it builds up in that week to try and ovulate, and then your hormones aren't quite right in yeah. order for that to happen, and so it has to go back to the drawing board and try that again and Mm. so every week or 10 days it's like trying like to ovulate again and then again and then again and then until it finally does and so each when that happens you're just not going to get quite the same potentially the same surge Mm. of estrogen Mm. um because your like your eggs that your body is trying to ovulate with aren't quite the same quality which also then means that you're more likely to feel even worse in that luteal phase because the egg quality then dictates um, what happens in the second half of that cycle because your egg is surrounded by a sac called the corpus luteum and that's what produces progesterone. And so if you don't have great egg quality, then you probably won't have great progesterone 
production as well. And if you have lower progesterone in the second half of your cycle, then you're going to feel even worse and probably get even more like PMS symptoms, mm. such as irritability, moodiness, um, lack of motivation, depression, those symptoms. So yeah, you, ideally, although I'm saying that it's not bad that you have more time in that mid-follicular phase, it's also not the best thing. So don't use that as a reason not to try and get your cycle more towards a 30-day. Mm. So what happens if you're on hormonal birth control for your training with your cycle? I mean, is there a way? Because you're obviously getting these hormones through some form of contraception. So is there a way you can train with that? Yeah, really good question. So although you're getting hormones, most of the birth controls, you don't get any change in those hormones. So it's just a constant amount through your cycle. So what's actually happening is if you see that, like you look at that diagram again of where you're, um, where you're getting your period and then you get into this obvious, like mid-follicular phase, Instead of that egg developing, it just stays as that small egg for the entire cycle until mm. you then get another bleed. And this is because hormonal birth control stops you from ovulating. So you're not growing an egg, you're not ovulating, you're then not um, building up and then breaking down your lining. Instead, you're just getting an immature egg that stays immature for the whole time until you so say you're on the oral contraceptive pill Mm -hmm. until you then get to your sugar pills and then you either stop taking them or take the sugar pills right that's what's happening so you're not getting any phases it's just basically you can think about it as like maybe the yeah it's really only one phase yeah because you're just taking the same amount of pill there are some pills that have tried to mimic this so they're called biphasic and triphasic pills and they have different amounts of the synthetic estrogen and progesterone in them or progestin ethanol estradiol and progestin in them to try and mimic that cycle but there's still you're still not going to be ovulating so although you're going to be getting synthetic forms of that it's not the same as your body producing its own from when it ovulates Mm -hmm. so if you're on hormonal birth control you are not going to get the really low phase of that late luteal phase. So that's kind of a benefit because you're not getting that severe drop off of hormones in the week before your period. Mm -hmm. So you likely won't feel as demotivated and low and have that low performance, but you also then don't get the high performance on Mm. the other side. So this is why a lot of athletes, when we used to go on the pill, so we didn't get a period and we didn't have any of this change in hormones, are now rethinking this and going, yeah, okay, I might not get that low, low, but I also don't get the high, high. And so for performance, it's actually better if Mm. I utilize and work with those hormones, my natural hormones, than to just completely suppress them and not ovulate. So I think it's it's, um, different for different people. I, in terms of what's the best decision is different for different people. I think that for some people, the benefit of being on the pill for other PCOS symptoms far outweighs the, uh, at the at least at the moment for them outweighs the benefit of getting their own hormones and ovulating um, but for a lot of people that doesn't or they want to work towards that at some point but they're getting such bad hirsutism or acne mm. or like other symptoms at the moment that they're like no I just need to stay on that for now 
Um, and for other people, the benefit of it as a contraceptive far outweighs the benefit from anything else. Mm-hmm. So it's not that you shouldn't be on the pill. It's just that you're just not going to really be able to utilize this and really harness those hormones for performance. But also on the flip side, you're not probably going to get the really low, low week yeah. before your period. So that can kind of that, that can kind of work for a lot of people as well. You can always kind of like expect the same. Yeah. Kind of, whereas like if you're actually training with your cycle, you will get these times where you're doing amazing, then the times where not so much, but with the pill or with hormonal contraceptive, you kind of just know what to expect. Yeah, exactly. And it is, I think they've, I haven't actually seen what studies they've done, whether they have tried or like done kind of a randomized control trial of Mm. athletes on the pill and seeing kind of what their performance is and yeah. then off the pill. Um, that would be interesting. Yeah, I haven't actually because looked to see if they've done that Like recently. what if you're an athlete and you get to an event and it's literally this late luteal phase? Yeah, so that's where you can, you know, if you're an athlete, like if you're an Olympian and you're building up, you know years out when the Olympics are going to be. Yeah. And so you can work backwards from that. And there could mm. be a point in time where you use some, like a Provera or something like mm. that to, to to kind of change your cycle. Mm. So you could do that like six months out, especially if you've got a regular cycle, then that's not going to really change. Um, so long as you're eating enough and you're managing your stress and everything else, that can make cycles go haywire. But yeah, if you have got that, or if you've, even for some people that they're like, I just want to, for my wedding, yeah, I want to be in that phase because I want to be feeling really good. I don't want to be yeah. premenstrual or I don't want to have the pain and like uncomf- discomfort of having my period like at my wedding. So they might do that as well. Six months out, take like a Provera to change their cycle so that mm. they're then getting, um, you know, that they're then in their mid follicular during that time. So that can be done. I mean, it's always a risk when you're taking Provera. Sometimes, like you know, like you might then get a slightly irregular cycle afterwards. But if someone's had quite regular cycles for a long time, then it's unlikely that one round of Provera would like really throw them off after that. So it just means that they can, yeah, shift their cycle a little bit. Mm. But so that, and this is why athletes will generally build up to like one or two main events in the season, not because of their cycle, but just everything else in terms of their training. So you just also like gear that towards that as well so this is more the other thing too is it doesn't mean that you can't perform in that phase it just means that it's you it's handy to know why you might feel a little bit flat or why you might not like perform your best yeah but there's been lots again lots of examples of female athletes um performing insanely well during that phase in their cycle as well so it doesn't mean that you absolutely can't but just this is and this is what we call it training with your cycle not performing with your cycle Mm -hmm. because it's just a way to gear your training around as opposed to being like oh my god i can never perform in my late luteal phase like you know so and i think that that would probably be a bit of a if you did understand this and you were doing that as an athlete this could be massive mind game because you then you then kind of just write yourself off during that. So I think mm-hmm. it's also important to not write yourself off because actually you can perform really well still. 
Um, it's just that when you're training, well, you might as well, when you're going to have to take a deload week at some week anyway, you might as well doing it, do it during that late luteal phase yeah. to get the most benefit from that. And to get, especially to get the most benefit from that earlier part in your cycle when you can actually, you know, get your most um, performance gains. Mm-hmm. So the mid follicular phase is what us with PCOS might have it a bit longer if our cycles are a bit longer but well some of us know that like when with PCOS there's certain training that you've got to be a bit considerate of especially if kind like stress is your driver what are some like conscious ways to uh, train through that mid follicular stage yeah and I think this is probably a bit of a risk if you have got that long follicular phase and you're feeling pretty good during that time that if you are like doing a lot of like high intensity exercise that you might overdo it during that phase, Mm. especially if stress is a driver. So if stress is a driver for you, um, and if you don't know if it is, then head to our OV questionnaire at ov.io and just go through that questionnaire and it'll tell you if stress is your driver because we can, we know the symptoms that we're looking for to tell you whether Mm. that's the case or not. So just go and do that. If stress is your driver, then yeah even if like even if you can perform really well there you might not want to do lots of high intensity exercise during Mm -hmm. that time because it's actually potentially going to make that worse it depends on what you're doing and how long but I mean I'm talking about doing like an hour hit class or something like that then yeah you might be able to hormonally send it but it's like you don't necessarily want to because that's probably going to make your PCOS symptoms worse if you're you know if you're trying to get a shorter cycle for example and you're sending it for three weeks straight doing hit classes during that cycle then yeah you're Mm. probably actually exacerbating the problem and making Mm -hmm. that worse so I think that um instead what I would say is that it can also be the time that you can like most build muscle mass yeah so this is like if you're doing if stress is a driver for you uh, and or like insulin resistance is also a driver, then this will be the time where you really want to be um, increasing your strength training so that you can build more muscle mass so that you can improve those drivers. That would be a really good utilization of that area. And especially if you're doing strength training with like lots of rest in between, then you're not really going to be getting that huge stress hormone or cortisol Um, surge that you might be getting and also you might feel a lot more refreshed after exercise Mm. Um, that's one of the questions that we asked in the questionnaire is how long does it take you to recover from exercise does it take you more than 15 minutes Um, and do you feel refreshed after exercise or do you feel tired for um, a couple of hours and that can be a really good indicator as to how your stress hormones are performing and if they can tolerate what you're asking them to do yeah so very um, topical at the moment because it's the FIFA Women's World Cup but the US women's football team were one of the first pioneers of training with their cycle and they although they haven't unfortunately done so well with this World Cup but mm-hmm. that's just that's just sport and that's just life um, but they I mean they've been four time world champs I think it is yeah, yeah but it's like incredible and, incredible yeah. performance like one of the most successful teams in the world um, they were one of the pioneers of training with your cycle and they really rate that for their team so mm. which is really interesting and you can see why but in that instance why it's like training with your cycle not necessarily performing with your cycle because when you've got a 
tournament that spans like two months, you can't always be in that mid follicular phase, right? And so you've got to be able to kind of like step out of that headspace of being like, I can't perform on that late luteal phase. Yes, you absolutely can. It's just that, but when we're training, utilizing that late luteal phase. And it's the same thing for like, I mean, imagine being like Taylor Swift. How long is her tour going for? Like months. Like, and she is like back to back to back to back. Like, yeah. And, and Having to come out on stage when you're like, Ugh. Yeah, insane performance. And so I think that so much of like willpower and confidence and just sheer utter determination overrides this. Mm. But it's like, well, if we can, if we could, if there's like, if it's more of a, that you're training for one particular thing or you're just, um, you're just wanting to make sense of that of your training and kind of like find a good week to do a, a deload week and give yourself permission. Mm. I think that's the other thing too. Sometimes we just don't give ourselves permission to have a bit of a break. If we're just training. Then that can be a really good permission. It's like, no, I know that I'm this like late luteal phase. I know my hormones are dropping off. It's a great time to actually just rest and recover. And I can still do, like light training or really use this time to prioritize things that I don't normally do like yeah. stretching and yoga and mobility work and uh, core work and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think that that's a good, a good reminder that we can still perform, but it's, it is okay to take a break and it's a really good reason to take a break too. Yeah. So we've touched a bit on the mid follicular phase for what you can do and also what people with uh, PCOS can be conscious of, but what are other good types of training you can do for the other phases of your cycle? Yeah, so depends on. So if you like, say for you as a runner, yeah, then in that first like like period phase, bleeding phase, that's where you would want to start building those intervals we talked about, or mm-hmm. like your fast five k's. Then getting into the mid follicular, that's where you want to be really like pushing those, so getting kind of your best times. Ovulatory phase, like this is where those couple of days you might want to just focus on, really focus on good form to prevent injury. So not necessarily fastest, but just good form because this is a really interesting time that a lot of people are injury prone. Um, Then that next week is about sort of that maintenance. So you're wanting to be doing your, um, your like still your intervals and your fast 5Ks, but it might not be as fast as your like peak week. And mm. then the late, the week before your period, late luteal phase, this is where you want to be doing some like slower runs, slower or shorter, slower and or shorter as well. And then maybe some yoga and core work, Pilates, mm-hmm. maybe some like drills, like focusing on technique, especially if you've got any um, weak points or injuries like yeah. that you yeah. know about. <laughs> maybe if there's, especially if there's a technique thing, like not use, like using your glutes properly or yeah. anything like that, that's where you might want to really focus on that. Use the week to do that. Whereas if you're just, if you're not um, particularly into any one like activity or sport, but you like to do a bit of a mix, then in that period phase, then that's where you could do, definitely do like some strength training would be a really good idea to start doing that because that's when you're going to start getting those real improvements in that. So you might, you know, you could do like two or three sessions of even if it's just body weight workouts would be great. And then maybe in that next phase, um, if you've been doing this for a while, that's where you might want to increase your weights uh, to try and get like a personal best. 
then in the ovulatory phase, those two days, you might just focus on technique at the gym or really focus on technique while you're working out instead of trying to get that personal best it's more just about yeah like really good form while you do that and then the early luteal phase then it's like backing off those weights a little bit um and then just trying to kind of maintain that strength and then the late luteal phase you might work on some technique and some strength and some you know yoga or other stretching um and some like walks or jogs as well So, you can still do every exercise at every point, like we talked about the running. Like, it doesn't mean you have to do different exercise at different times, but it just is a different, maybe, intensity, as I think is a good way to think about it. Uh, and so, or you can split it up if you, if you like the thought of maybe doing like one week of, um, like, running one week of high intensity one week of strength one week of yoga you can do that you just probably it really also depends on your goals like if your goal is just enjoyment and just fitness that would be a really cool thing because you get lots of variety yeah yeah so that would be um really cool so you could do for example in the early period phase maybe you could do some like running or a couple of high intensity sessions again depending on if stress is an issue for you then the mid follicular focus on your strength training then um early luteal maybe that's when you do a bit more of like endurance so you could do some more like longer runs or walks or on like the stair climber at the gym or something Mm -hmm. like that and then the late luteal phase you could do like your pilates and yoga which you're focusing on like core strength and flexibility so that would be a good one if you just you know if that's your goal is really just enjoyment and activity you don't have any particular goals for performance or for like how your body looks body composition or leanness Mm -hmm. if like how your body looks if you're exercising to help with like body composition then you really still want to be sticking to probably the same exercises and just a different intensity so the example for like strength training would be the one there to go for so doing the same strength training and also you know mixing that up with some nice walks or other like low intensity exercise but for that you really want to be probably focusing on that because you're going to get the most improvement in Mm -hmm. how your body looks by sticking to the same thing and especially doing some strength training which is going to improve your muscle mass which improves your insulin which in turn improves like your ability to burn body fat and lose weight so that's how I would do that depending on who the person was and what their goal was Um, another example I had this week with a patient she was training for the New York Marathon Mm. so she's going to be going over to New York for that in November and so what we were um, she was talking about how she was having really low energy one week and so what I've got her to do is actually track and see whether it is her late luteal phase that is the reason for that and she after talking about it she was like I really think it is and I had no idea that that was it I was just and I'd been to my doctor I thought my iron was low I thought that I was you know like maybe it was a mental health thing she was like I was I've kind of been going a bit crazy wondering what this is but we also through that we also found out that she was eating much too little um she was actually found that she was had been gaining a bit of weight or that she wasn't like getting this the level of leanness that she would like for um performance and and part of why she was doing the running so we talked about the fact that actually it was likely because she was eating way too little and in the days that she had like bigger amounts of food her body was probably you know um or in those weeks sorry her body was gaining weight because her metabolism was 
slower. We've talked about this a lot in terms of weight loss and other podcasts about why eating more is actually sometimes really helpful for weight loss. So that was the that was the phase for her. And also she just wasn't eating um, enough for recovery. So And it was much too late. So she'd go and do her runs in the morning and was in a really amazing running group. So they had a really great community. They'd often go for coffee afterwards before they head off to work. And so she wanted to do that, but it just meant that she wouldn't often, like she'd go running at like 6am, but then often wouldn't get breakfast until 9.30. And so it's just much too late. You really need to be getting that food in about 30 minutes, but within that 30 minute window after exercise for recovery and also just for how she was feeling. So she was feeling kind of constantly fatigued because she's just not eating enough and not eating at the right times. She's also living by herself, so dinners were often just like a, you know, egg on toast if she couldn't be bothered and Mm. so just wasn't getting just quite enough volume of food and like different nutrients as well. And we're also um, just having a look at her like B vitamin levels because that's often quite low if you are exercising too. You're burning through a huge amount of B vitamins. So I think that like it's not the be or end all, but it's part of it. And looking at like everything as a whole with your exercise or training is really helpful for unpicking why you might not be feeling your best mm. or why some weeks you just feel so flat and others you feel so amazing. Have you had any, like, I mean, you're on the hormonal birth control mm-hmm. pill, like, now, but do you still find that you have, like, variable weeks? Mm, like, now I'm thinking about it. No, I probably, like, am very much a flat line. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I have any off weeks, and I think if they are, it's, down, it's probably down to something else, like... Mm lack of sleep or I've been off my running for a couple of weeks just due to an injury but stress is one of my drivers and I found that I'm actually sleeping so much better (laughs) it's kind of annoying (laughs) I'm like oh damn but um but I think that's sometimes that's also quite good to see that it's I mean yes we're talking about hair training with your cycle but it's just what I was saying with that patient it's not just that it's like that other things like lack of sleep Mm -hmm. you know not getting enough fuel in to recover properly then that's going to really affect your recovery alcohol is like massive one for like not recovering particularly well from exercise so there are just other reasons why this happens it's not just due to our hormones and so um but also having these weeks off sometimes can be so helpful for shining that light on oh wow okay what else is missing because Funny, I went for a run last night and then I did the silly thing of not eating afterwards um, for about an hour and a half and I had this crash. But I also haven't really been fueling myself for running because I haven't been able to. Mm. And just the difference that I felt after a run, I was like, gosh, I need like how much you need to think about like nutrition and stuff if you are training. Mm. And how, I mean, it's quite a confronting thing when you realize maybe the thing that you love is contributing to that stress, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty tough. But how do you find that balance? Mm. It is achievable. I think that a lot of people think, oh, so because I've got high stress hormones and my symptoms are definitely showing that mm. I can never run again. It's like, no, that's not the case at all. Like, Depending on where you are in that spectrum, it's like the insulin resistance spectrum that we talk about a lot. That yeah. you know, um, you can be on one end like you're a brand new baby, perfect insulin sensitivity. On the other end, you're nearing type two diabetes, and most people fall somewhere in the middle. 
and same thing with stress hormones it's like perfectly functioning stress hormones and then completely dysfunctional stress hormones Mm. and generally people fall somewhere in the middle and it just Mm. kind of depends on how far you are along that spectrum in terms of what symptoms you're going to get and the ramifications on your body from that so sometimes it just takes like a little bit to move the needle backwards and it Mm. might be just adjusting your training a little bit maybe it's that you don't at the moment even have a d like recovery week or deload week where you just don't do it as much and so just by adding that in is enough or that you train like six or seven days a week and just by adding in two rest days you actually then that is enough to fix it whereas some people further down the spectrum and might need to take more like a an off season or a six months Mm. to really focus on recovering those stress hormones before they can get back into it and then build up a little bit slowly but I generally see that those that are on that further end of the spectrum it's really affecting their performance anyway like they're they're getting injured all the time or they're not improving they're, they're not seeing the improvements in fitness yeah and so you kind of don't really have an option. You're yeah. like, well, I'm not getting fitter. Gotta take I'm not, a break. Yeah. I've, I've, like, my whole point is that I want to improve, and I'm not. So, I'm gonna have to take a couple of steps back to then go forward again. Yeah, I mean, it's it'll be so different for everyone, won't it? So it's kind of just what figuring out actually what works for you. Because I mean, these past since I've had my injury, these past couple of weeks, I've started a like mindfulness course. Mm. So I've been doing that alongside of it and meditating every day. So I'm like, okay, could this be like helping with it? Like when I do go back to my regular running, like if I'm doing this as well, it's like those lifestyle changes and like being a bit more mindful, like this could really help. And that's the thing is sometimes we just need to add something in to kind of counterbalance that for us and yeah and that's enough what we need to do to kind of like move the needle back a little bit um so yeah there's lots of things that doesn't mean that you can't do a certain or a certain training if these things are going on for you like I do think that the message is incorrect that if you've got PCOS you can't do these things it's like that's not the case whatsoever it's just yeah, it depends on what your goals are. Like, if you're yeah. wanting to perform your best, then, yeah, if your stress hormones are getting fried, then, and you're, like, getting towards the point of, like, crashing, then eventually you're not going to improve fitness, you're not going to, you're going to be getting injured or sick all the time, so you're probably not going to achieve that goal, so we kind of have to take a little bit of a step back. Um, and same thing if your goal is more, like, fertility or performance, and again, you're probably not going to be optimizing those if your stress hormones are really high, so we kind of need to focus on that. I think the hardest one is when you want to achieve everything. Like you want to be like, yeah. yeah, I want to. And this was definitely happened to me when I was an athlete. I was also doing my honours year, which was, it was more like a master's. It was a, dis- a full dissertation, full year dissertation. And so that was like quite full on. And I like absolutely wanted to get first class honours. Yeah. And I absolutely wanted to go to world champs that year and place top 10. Um, and there was no in between. Like my coach was like, "You can do one or the other," and I was like, nah, "No, John, I don't think you yeah, understand. Yeah. I can do both, and I will yeah. do both." And he was like, "Whatever, Claire, you do you." But I'm telling you, like, I've been around the block enough. You can't do both. And he was dead right. Yeah, dead right. Like, couldn't got sick, got injured. Like, yeah, all the problems. But. Yeah. And I think that that's just the hard thing sometimes it is to accept that though. Yeah. And As you get older, you realize how much room you've got in your bucket. And yeah. then like, but when you're younger, you just don't get it. No. Nah. 
Um, or I think that you just don't see a way through. You're like, but how? There's no other way. Like, I can't, if I'm going to do honours, like, I have to get first class because then I want to, you know, I want the option to go and do my PhD. And if, like, I'm going to World Champs, then I, well, there's no point going if I don't want to place top 10 or something like that. So it's like, but I think as you're older, you then go, well, yes, that might be the case. Like, yes, it would be ideal to have both those options, but actually that's just not achievable for most Mm -hmm. people. And, like, the ramification is that you actually, the higher likelihood is that you bomb in both. And so, well, what's the, I guess that's probably a better way of looking at it. When you're older, you can kind of see from hindsight that actually there's a really great risk involved in trying to do both. And that actually, yes, like there may be that 10% chance that you might pull it off, but there's a whopping 90% chance that you won't and that actually you won't achieve either. When you've got these things going on in your life and you've got kind of opposing things happening, like you've got symptoms that you want to improve, but then like a performance goal and you kind of know in your heart of hearts that performance goal is not really conducive to symptom improvement, you then have to decide, well, what's more important to me at the moment? And sometimes that performance thing is the most important thing at the moment. You might go, yeah, well, actually... I've paid for this. I've like, you know, I've, I've, I've entered, I've paid and I'm going to do this. Mm-hmm. And then, but I kind of know that I won't really see other improvements. And so I'm accepting that. Different phases of life. Yeah, exactly. Different seasons. <laughs> yeah. Different seasons. Yeah. So different, different, different phases of your cycle, different phases of your life. You can do everything. You just have to understand like what's more important and when, what you need to do to meet that goal that you are trying to achieve. Mm-hmm. But I also think that just training, going back to training with your cycle, this doesn't, as I said before, it doesn't have to be just like exercise. I think this can be really helpful for sometimes for like work where you might need to be, do some really creative tasks. If you can try and do them in like your mid follicular phase, that yeah. may, can just mean that the friction is a lot less heavy there. So you just find that you have a, you're a lot more creative, you're a lot more motivated. So trying to bank them in and get them done then. Mm. And then if you can focus a lot more on kind of like the admin tasks and stuff in that late little phase that can really help just getting through those things especially if these things that you find really difficult like maybe mm. it's like doing your tax return you know if you find that really yeah. is the thing that you always just leave and you like don't get around to then trying to do it along that mid follicular phase is going to be, make it much easier as opposed to trying to force yourself to do it in that late little phase so yeah sometimes it can be really helpful to use these phases for other parts of your life as well Now stand by for our disclaimer. The information contained in this podcast has been prepared for the purpose of providing information, including about the PCOS Nutritionist products and services, and is designed to support clients' overall wellness. It is not intended to provide medical advice or designed to rectify, treat, or cure any specific medical conditions or diseases. Nothing stated or shared in our podcast is intended to be and must not be taken to be medical advice. Please seek the advice of professionals, as appropriate, regarding the evaluation of any specific information, opinion, advice or content contained in our podcast.